0: What's up everyone? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name is John and this is r slash Malicious Compliance. We're going to call it sort of a quasi-tipsy tales tonight. Yeah, drinking the diet stuff today. Uh Couldn't get into it too heavy because I had one of the most redneck ideas that I've had in months. My wife and daughter have been canning, you know, strawberries and different foods and we're getting ready to do soups. We're going to do quart jars of soups and uh, can them and preserve them and... It's just nice to know what goes into your soup. And it's a little, you know, you can control the sodium, the sugar, blah, 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 the meats and veggies. And, uh, it's nice. Now, when I say we're prepping or preparing or whatever, preserving, you know, we're not, we're not looking over our shoulders, watching for zombies. And, uh, we're not into all the conspiracy theories and things like that. We just, we believe in taking care of yourself, knowing what's in your food, doing things sort of old school and, you know, if we have a storm come up the coast this fall that, you know, knocks the power out for a day or two, uh, you know, and we don't have to worry about going to the store. We've got enough stuff here that we can get by for a few days. We can actually get by longer than that, but it's just nice. We don't have to shop every two, three days. We don't even have to shop once a week, uh, except for, you know, some of the perishable stuff like certain milks and things like that. But but honestly, if we didn't have milk for a week, uh, I think we'd survive. We got enough other stuff that I think we could make it work eggs whatever it's just a good way to live anyway so back to the redneck idea um my little bit of hillbilly engineering for today is this uh propane burner my wife and daughter talked about needing a space outside where they could you know water bath the jars get them sanitized for canning uh cooking big pots of stuff so that uh we could go ahead and then can it and then water bath the jars or pressure can them depending on what the food is it's a whole thing anyway i had a line on a really inexpensive uh, turkey fryer set up online and i may still go get it but uh i wanted one for the rest of this week we're having some problems with our stove at the moment in our kitchen and the new one won't be here until sunday of course And, you know, we got vegetables that are going to go bad and things like that. So we need to like chop, chop, get them done, get them prepped, get them in the jars and done. Anyway, so I went ahead and we have a a old kitchen stool that the staples were poking up and ripping people's pants through the cushioning. And I tried to, I fixed it several times and my wife was finally just like, screw it. I'm going to get another one. And it was sitting on the trailer, getting ready to go to the dump. And I looked at the frame of that and I knew I had a burner downstairs and, uh, So here we are, it works, it makes things hot, it's safe, it's sturdy, it's actually taller, Uh, you know, the tall ones are really expensive online, and it's nice to not have to like totally bend over to, you know, cook your food, heat your jars, whatever. So anyway, thought maybe some of you guys would appreciate that, and uh, I made it, it's safe, and it works. So what more can you ask for? All right, let's do some malicious compliance. Sorry about the ramble. That one time my son was sent home because of dress code violation at school. When my son was in middle school, I was notified he had to be picked up because he was in violation of the school dress code. I asked what the issue was and on the phone was told he's wearing a shirt that shows nudity. I freak out and rush to the school, my mind worrying as to what he could possibly have worn. None of his clothes that I knew of had nudity on it. As he gets in the car, I see violation. He wore a t-shirt with Bruce Lee on it from Enter the Dragon. When I got home, I called to confirm that this is why they sent him home. Sure enough, a topless Bruce Lee's bare chest sent someone clutching their pearls, apparently. A quick stop to the craft store followed. Using puffy paint, I superimposed a lovely bikini top to cover Bruce's man nipples. He wore the shirt to school again, and nobody dared say a thing. Lol. While well, I agree that our schools need some kind of standards to go by, uh, with dress code nudity, you know, paraphernalia being shown on the shirt, certain words and phrases. I'm not sure where this one comes from. It makes no sense to me. It is the school rules, so you kind of got to go by the school rules. Um, But good for you for, you know, rolling with it and adjusting the shirt accordingly. It's funny. I'm one of those generations that I'm kind of in the middle. I'm a mutt, like I said before. You know, I think think schools and government kind of need to stay out of our business. But at the same time, there do need to be some standards that we live by and, you know, conduct ourselves by. Uh, I don't know. Sometimes I think it's just a little too much. Like, you know, there's got to be a happy medium there somewhere, but there's always going to be extremes no matter what you do. And I'm not talking politics. I'm just talking extreme, just people being extreme. Like my son-in-law, when he sees a spider, there's no just, you know, quietly walking away. It's usually limb fracturing, flailing, trying to get out of the way of a spider that was actually going the other way to begin with. But anyway, he's probably going to hate me for saying that on video, but we'll be all right. Box of Skull Leads to Shock and Awe In my free time, I like to draw. One subject of interest is skulls. Usually I have to search the web for images of skulls. But I know a biologist, so I called them up and asked if I could borrow a cast, not real, skull. They said that they never loan out a skull because they'll forget who they loaned it to and just disappears. Online they go for $300 to $2,000. She had the ones that are not cut open above the eyes, so you can open into the brain cavity that are obviously for study. They look more real as they were cast from real skulls and thus have some of the character and damage of the originals. I think they're rather sturdy plastic with a little heft. They're all two pieces with a detached mandible. In addition to human skulls she had other mammals including apes and monkeys that have fangs. Strangely she said she would be willing to loan out all the skulls and that way they would not forget who has what. I agreed and grinning I took a huge box of skulls home. Not too creepy huh? My wife saw the box and asked me what was in it. I said, Skulls. She said, no, really, what's in the box? She didn't believe me. I can imagine bringing a big box of Legos a colleague's family was passing on or something like that, and upon being asked saying Skulls or some other random improbable item just to be funny because who would ever expected a box of Skulls? I said, Skulls. She got mad and said, fine, don't tell me. Now at this point I've had my fun. She was indeed surprised by my answer and I could have filled in the details of how and why I got the skulls and when I had to return them but I was told not to tell her so I did that. I complied stubbornly and with perhaps a bit of malice because her extreme reaction surprised me and I freeze up and become defensive when surprised because of my childhood. She grew up with older brothers and they were always teasing her growing up. You can be sure her orange juice had gummy worms in it. She has a short fuse for foolery. On the other hand I was the oldest with a stern and overly firm stepmother and I learned to do as I was told to the letter lest I face the consequences, which go beyond the scope of this post. I put on stubbornness just as she wanted an explanation. She asked again and I said that I have answered the question and besides, I had just been told not to say any more. I think we're both a bit steamed. She didn't get an explanation because I stuck by her command and not say anything. She pondered for a while and I didn't see when she slipped to another part of the house to get closer to the box. When she was near it, she pounced on it and opened it up. I didn't even see her. Without context or explanation, she got an eye full of scale-sized skulls. I saw her talking to herself. He said skulls. These are skulls. A box full of skulls. It is kind of a moment of shock. The skulls were not neatly stacked, just jumbled mandibles and craniums. Of course, this was not what I had imagined when I came home with a box of skulls. I rather wanted the enthusiasm and wonder that I had, having scored a drawing experience that would be difficult to have in normal circumstances. I was excited. Well, it was botched, but I explained the details after she had found that I had not been sarcastic. We recovered gradually and it all kind of played out again when the kids came home from school. Edit, part two, what happened with the kids, by request. They got surprised by the box of skulls too. My daughter scheduled a scary movie night with friends. My son buried a monkey skull, smaller, in veggie sticks, the salty snack ones that looked like French fries. My wife was like, oh, no, you don't. We don't do that here. During the film, hush. One of the girls pulled out a monkey mandible with fangs. (laughs) It was dark, but a surprise to everyone. Much screaming. Turns out my wife only removed the cranium. The mandible was still in there, buried in the veggie sticks. No one knew. It turned into a sleepover. Fine. They were up later than me. I had to work, so I got up. No shower and no nothing. Just get out of the house. On the way out, I noticed they arranged all the skulls in a row, perfectly pairing each cranium with its mandible. That's a difficult task. As I get a handful of cereal to munch on the way out the door, I'm inspired. I put an ODO in each eye socket. I'm out to work. I heard later they thought no one had been downstairs before them, and they were certainly last to bed, so they couldn't explain the cereal in the eye sockets. It was terrifying. Much screaming. When Halloween came around, one of them dressed as an ODO. That sounds like something that would happen with me and my wife, except at this point, if I said I had a box of skulls, she'd say, Okay. She'd believe me. She wouldn't, she wouldn't even question why. Well, sometimes she would, but she would definitely not think that I was pulling her leg. Yeah, redneck, what can I say? Returns only in original packaging? All right then. So I go into the local big chain hardware store just to do the usual wander around that guys like to do. When I see that they have a great sale on a miter saw and stand combination. Since this is something I've had my eyes on for a while, I make the purchase and happily head home to set it up. I get home, haul the boxes out of the car, take everything out of the boxes, crunch up the boxes and put them in the recycling bin, put all the packing materials in the trash and start the assembly. Saw just took a couple steps, everything was great. So I move on to the stand, get it all put together and then go to put the saw on the stand and I notice that one of the attachment clamps is broken. So I get in the car and head back to the store to see if they can replace it. No, I'm told I'll need to return the entire purchase in the original packaging for replacement. Wouldn't it be easier, I asked, to simply go into one of these boxes here and swap out the clamp rather than to make me go home, disassemble everything, try to recreate the packaging and haul everything back in? Of course not. That would make too much sense. I ask exactly what the return policy is and I'm told 30 days with receipt in original packaging. So I do what any self-respecting guy would do. I buy another saw and stand combination right on the other side of the checkout in full view of management. I open the box, reach in, grab a functional clamp, replace it with the broken one, making sure to put it back into the original plastic bag that it came in and head over to customer service to make a return. Again, rules are rules, but you played the rules well. You did exactly what they said, so uh, yeah, good for you. I probably wouldn't have put that much energy into it. Uh, I'm resourceful enough, as you probably noticed in the beginning of the video, that I would have found another way to attach the saw to the stand and everything would have been fine. My saws don't usually travel. So if it's gonna be set up permanently, A bolt, another type of clamp, a cheap C-clamp, anything would have made it work. So, uh, I don't know. Sometimes it's just not worth the uh, conflict, but eh, what are you going to do? Don't trust me enough to not micromanage me? Enjoy staying late to do my job. This happened at work about 10 years ago. Here's the context. At the time of this incident, I had been working for a big box superstore for about 12 years, five of which as a department manager. I managed three areas fresh meat, frozen seafood, and prepackaged deli and breakfast meats. I supervised two part timers and two full timers. I reported the three supervisors, ranking in order an assistant manager, a co manager, and then the store manager. Oh, I know what store this is. The situation. On a particular Thursday morning, it was just myself and one of my full timers, Carl. Carl was on duty until 3 p.m., myself until 4 p.m., and no one else after. My other full timer was on his day off. One part-timer wasn't available Thursday through Saturday, and the other was on vacation. Coverage was thin at best, and would continue to be that way through the weekend. Having been super light on coverage all week, due to one of my guys being on vacation, the deli was looking a little thin. On this Thursday morning, I had to decide how best to prepare for the weekend. I knew that I wouldn't have enough staff to commit a person to filling the deli wall on Friday or Saturday. As soon as I had finished breaking down Thursday morning's delivery with Carl, I began busting my butt to get the deli wall as full as possible before I left that day. That way, I could have my guys focus on fresh meat wall throughout the weekend where I knew it would be super busy. While I did this, I entrusted Carl to fill the fresh meat wall for Thursday night's 4 p.m. rush. He was a very hard worker despite his age and health. I knew he could handle it on his own. Around 11 a.m., Carl had to take his lunch break. While he's gone, my co-manager, Scott, arrives to work and sees only me, and I'm filling the deli wall while only half of the fresh meat wall had been stocked thus far. Scott doesn't like this. He tells my assistant manager, Brenda, to have me swap to the fresh wall as it's more important for that night's customers. I immediately seek out Scott to tell him why this is a bad idea and why I'm filling deli meats and not fresh meats, but Scott doesn't care. He doesn't want to hear what I have to say. I have to do exactly as I'm told. He doesn't want me to fill the deli wall, only the fresh wall. Did I mention that Scott is ex-military and still acts like he's enlisted? Cue the malicious compliance. I did exactly as Scott told me. After having only worked about an hour on the deli wall, I put all the freight back into the cooler and began filling the fresh wall. Carl returned from lunch, confused to see me. I explained what had happened before taking my own lunch. Upon my return, the fresh wall was nearly finished, but I went ahead and helped Carl continue filling it. Soon we were done and just topping it off, throughout the rest of the afternoon. If someone bought a pack of beef, we both went back into the cooler to bring out another. Same with chicken, pork, anything. Walking back and forth one package at a time until Carl left at 3pm and then I left at 4pm. As I walked past the deli wall on my way out, it already was looking so much worse than it had when I had arrived that morning. The aftermath. When I arrived to work 7am Friday morning, the first thing I did was walk past the deli wall. I was completely caught off guard to see it had been filled. As I'm theorizing who could have possibly filled it, Brenda comes by and sees the puzzled look on my face. She comes over to me with a bit of a grin on her face. The following was what she told me had happened after I left the night before. The little bit that had been on the deli wall when I had left only continued to be shopped. More and more of the wall emptied out as people shopped. It began to look like people had been panic buying it had gotten so empty. Around 8pm, a market manager came in to do his own shopping. I did not explain this before, but a market manager is who my store manager reports to. In other words, someone who has even greater authority than anyone in the store. Market manager Bob goes to buy some lunch meat. Lo and behold, there's almost nothing on the shelf. He notices the entire wall is nearly bare. He's furious. Bob demands that Scott come over to the deli wall immediately. Scott runs over and gets his ass chewed. Bob orders Scott to get the wall stocked immediately. Scott is only now understanding the scope of his blunder. The wall is so empty that it'll take a few hours to fill, and it's in this moment Scott realizes how hard he had effed up because he hadn't checked the schedule earlier and is now discovering that there's no one in the meat departments that evening. There's no one he can delegate this task to. Guess who ended up having to fill the deli wall? That's right, Scott had no choice but to do it himself, and he didn't get done until midnight. Remember, he had arrived just before 11am that day, and he had to be back by 8am Friday. Also, Scott is salaried, so he got no overtime for the extra hours worked. Scott never did apologize to me for not trusting my judgment, and for not listening to me, but he learned his lesson. From that day forward, he did not try to micromanage me and let me run my departments unimpeded. So, the short version of that is, uh, F Scott and everybody out there that's like Scott. I'm not saying that managers shouldn't be involved in the day-to-day operations in the floor. I mean, that's part of their job, but either Scott's an idiot, which he already kind of proved he is, or he just doesn't even know anything about how to stock those departments to begin with, let alone how to run other people stocking them. I'm not sure what this guy was thinking, but usually the people that are on the floor day in and day out know what's going to empty out first, know how to cover the the gaps when people are absent for vacation or being sick or whatever. I don't know. You know, you got to learn how to trust the people under you. That's the whole thing. I mean, if you can't trust them, then you didn't train them right to begin with. And uh, it's your fault either way. So suck it, Scott. Don't remind you about your passport renewal? Cool. This happened a few years ago when my now husband and I first started dating. We were going on holiday in May in order to attend his friend's destination wedding. I don't mind his friends, but for the purpose of this story, I have to say there are more his friends than mine. He needed his passport renewed, which needs to be done every 10 years here in the UK. Knowing that we had this trip coming up and that his passport needed renewing, I reminded him in, I think, February that it was a job that he needed to do. I think the third time I reminded him about it, possibly sometime in April, he slightly snapped at me, or was at least a little off and basically said, you don't need to keep reminding me, I'll sort it out. Fine, even though this was still early in the relationship, I had already noticed that my boyfriend, as he then was, is wonderful in many ways, but he's a bit of a procrastinator and especially has a tendency to put off boring admin type jobs such as this. I can't say I blame him, but I'm the sort of person who gets things like that done as soon as I notice them, because otherwise they'll be on my mind. But he was absolutely right. This was a trip to see his friends. My passport didn't need updating. It really wasn't my job to remind him about his or chase him about it. I didn't especially care what happened either way. The trip was extremely cheap, and the travel insurance might have even covered canceling it. Malicious compliance? Activate. Well, wouldn't you know it, something like five days before we were due to leave, he sheepishly comes to me and says he still hasn't done anything about his passport. I don't know what it's like elsewhere, but I think the standard lead times for passports here are at least a few weeks. So he ends up doing a priority request, or whatever it's called, where they will fast track your application. I think from memory, the basic application is 79 pounds. And then the priority on top was another 150 pounds, holy cow, and possibly more for fast shipping. I think the whole thing ended up costing him around 250 pounds with everything in together when it should have been 79 pounds. My memory is blurry, but I think he also had to get new passport photos taken and authenticated quickly too, which I seem to remember was really stressful and rushed for him as well. We did get to go on the trip as everything came through the day before we left. He apologized for having snapped at me and for asking not to be reminded about it. But by that point, I wasn't even angry and honestly felt bad for how much stress and expense he'd been through. He has improved how he does his boring life admin stuff since then. As captain of the procrastinator guard in this house, um yeah, I get it. I will put off certain things, I will ignore them until the last possible second. It's a bad habit. It's not a good habit in any way shape or form, and it's got me in trouble more than once. It's just kind of how I'm built. But usually once I do get on the task, I will like I will dog that task until it's done and done right. When I went back to school as a non-traditional old person student at the local college, um, I would wait until usually the night before an assignment was due to write my 10 or 15 page paper on psychology, sociology, whatever the, whatever the topic was. And uh, it used to piss my wife off because I'd get an A on every assignment. But anyway, and that's part of the reason I keep procrastinating because it hasn't really that those things haven't really bit me in the butt yet. There have been other things where, you know, it's cost me more money or definitely more stress. It's always more stressful to wait until the last minute to get something done. But, you know, it's kind of how I'm wired. I mean, you know, why do today what you can put off till tomorrow? Something like that. I, don't know. I will gladly pay you Tuesday for a hamburger today. Anyway, I appreciate you guys sharing a little bit of your day with me today. Yeah. Feel free to borrow my redneck blueprints for that uh, outdoor propane burner. And, uh, if you get a chance, if you're on YouTube, throw a like up there, leave a comment down below. If you're on one of the myriad of podcasts that we're on, uh, go ahead and rate us from what I understand, at least Spotify, if nothing else. And most of my listeners are on Spotify, go ahead and rate us and, uh, answer the question. I think the question is a generic question. You know, what did you think of this episode? Um, feel free to leave a comment. One of these days I'll, uh, get around, see, here comes the procrastination. One of these days I'll get around to looking at them. So, uh. Alright guys, till the next video, see ya.